everybody. Welcome to the I Am A Woman podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Strickland, and I am back with my friend, Mona Corwin. We are doing a series, a really interesting series. I'm super excited about it on the history of feminism. Mona is an author, a speaker, a grandmother, a mother, and the founder of the Moms Like Us Academy. She coaches and trains and mentors moms in the most important season of life, which Mm -hmm. is motherhood. We agree on that. But we've been talking about feminism and going back so we can go forward. So if you missed the last episode, definitely go back because we talk about the first wave of feminism and where where it all came from. Now we've been talking about the second wave of feminism. What were the sayings of the time, Mona? What were the women (laughs) saying? Because we were talking about consciousness raising. It's so interesting that women went from being homemakers to being told, at least, that they should be very dissatisfied as homemakers and that what and mothers and mothers parasites they are they called them they called yes parasites. they started being known as women who stayed home and took care of the home and children as parasites so that was very yeah. interesting what were they saying in the second wave that was <laughs> raising the consciousness of the women well it what would they were doing, the consciousness raising, you'll have to go back and listen to it, but we'll be talking about it throughout this time. But consciousness raising is just getting a bunch of women in the room. Don't tell me you haven't ever, ever had this happen. Oh, yeah. Where you get a bunch of women in the room and they start talking about their men. Well, my husband does this and mm-hmm. my husband does that. Mm-hmm. And well, they would do that, but they would do it in a formulated way. So to ra- to raise the consciousness of women about actually how bad they had it and that patriarchy, that mean, mean patriarchy that won't let them do what they want to do and right. who's keeping them down. And so if you were a stay-at-home mom or um, something like that, you um, really didn't have a brain in your head. And we have quotes on that. You're welcome to go listen to them. But <laughs> it's, it's really, it's quite comical when you um, start looking at it. The, but we had, they had some phrases that were real interesting. Some of the sayings were, were find yourself. Go find yourself because, girl, you are lost in your home. Right. You 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 do not know who you are. Just I need taking to go care and of, find myself. Right. Just yeah. taking care of the 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 man, the man right. and the children. Right. In the you need to 60s. go out there and find yourself. Yes. You need to like self-actualization. Um, and that basically. is uh, I love the self-actualization um uh tone. That one always makes me laugh because it's like you're not actually self if you don't like go out and get a job. So they <laughs> You can't be yourself unless you're out, actualizing yourself. Unless you're actualizing yourself in the workforce as well. Yes, actualizing yourself in in the home that doesn't count. That doesn't count. No, being a wife and a mom in God's God's way, the God's design, no matter what it is, it's not enough. No, it's not enough. No. Okay. It's not enough. So, and, and even though even though it's not everything that you are, so let's just make that clear. Right, because like, we have we uh, hey, we have I, gifts and talents. Yeah, I believe that women should use their gifts and talents outside they absolutely, of their home. Well, it's it's um we've got the talents to prove that. So, Biblically, they are supposed to. So they had good ideas. They had and they, things that we would agree with. Yeah. They had like the problems that they were pointing out were 
were good problems. I was grateful to hear them. I still think lots of those things like equal pay, you know, nobody wants their daughter um, messed with in their workplace. Sure. And I, I'm not in favor of abortion, but those were their three main things. And so I could get on board with that. And I even, we're, I'm going to tell my story in a little while, I thought, hey, you know, if you want to get abortion, good for you, but the government shouldn't be telling anybody what they're, what, what they should be doing. It's not the government's choice. So it was, it, it was, we could agree with most things, but to get that many women on board, right? You had to you had to get them okay with so many different things that they could. It was so widespread of the things that they quote stood for, but the very groundworks of them were abortion, um, the disintegration of the family, okay, the removal of marriage, and um, eventually the the downgrading of gender. And we'll be talking about that too. But it was fun. One of the things that I would say uh, that you were you're trading babies for boardrooms. Okay, that was a fun. So they were so basically they knew that they had the ability to be in the boardroom, and so they wanted that. But you had to trade the baby for the boardroom. Yeah, the babies are always the problem, Jennifer. Like through right. all these waves, like the kids like, are the I'm like, problem. Take me to the boardroom. I'm not. I, I'm actually not very good in a boardroom, but <laughs> I'm saying uh, I want to have the baby, and I want to be able to, for me, write my book, for example. Right. So, yeah. but yeah, you had to trade one for the other. Well, you have to understand. A lot of these women were were educated. Like a June Cleaver, you know, everybody said, oh, you just want to go back the 50s. No, I do not want to go back the 50s. I really like God's design and it wasn't being enacted in the 50s either. So we're constantly trying to get to God's design and his way because duh, the Bible has the answers and the design. Um, what is interesting is that when we have our gifts and talents, God wants us to use them, but it's for different seasons but there's always the highest goal is the most important thing that's important to God. What is the most important thing to God? People and little people at that. Little people. And like, that's God's thing. So when God decided to send his son to the earth to save the world, he sent him to academia? Nope. Did they send him to the government so he could learn to rule and reign because he was going to be king? Nope. Did they send him to the village, as we've been told? No. The village doesn't raise your children. A family raises children. So mm -hmm. no, he didn't send them there either. He sent them. Well, he didn't even send them to the feminist, who obviously thought they knew a whole lot more than us women about what a woman should be doing. He didn't send them there. God didn't send no, Jesus they there. would have suggested. He sent his only son, Savior of the world, into the arms of a mother. Uh protected by a father. And he sent his only son into the family because God is all about family. It is his design, his design of family. He uses family vernacular in everything that he does. The, he, the Trinity is like a family. Jesus is the son. He's the father. He, Jesus went to prepare a place for us. It is all about family. And this movement is literally not about family. Not about family. Not about family. So they're burning their bras. Yeah, they are. They're seeing the boy. The guys were liking this. Why were they burning their bras, Mona? Because what they was did, the deal? They were, they, 
so funny. What does that even That's what mean? I'm telling you. When I was following along behind him, like my mom's like, put your bra back on. <laughs> right, because you started following him. You're yeah, like, I'm like, hey, I burn this is my cool. bra too. Yeah, like, and I really needed a bra. <laughs> God. Right. So, but but that was symbolic for I, I'm freedom free. and liberation. I do not. Okay. I'm liberation, and okay. it was that they wanted to be like men, and men didn't have to wear bras, and so they started dressing like men. They wanted um, freedom like men. They wanted what they considered rights like men, and this is the this is the hard part is that the confusion that it brought because as they were saying, uh, burn my bra and, you know, boardrooms and these boots are made for walking. And one of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. But they were attracted to men. So that was kind of weird. And like, how can you love a guy and be really mad and at him walk still and have this broad, bitchy kind of sure, attitude sure. and snap in the neck? Man, that really started in the 60s. And so they were confused. They were confused. And our scriptures tell us in James 3.16 that when there is envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil thing. And so it just kind of perpetuated. And I was so confused. I am woman, hear me roar in numbers too great to ignore. Like that was the song. Right. I sung it. I know every verse. I can't sing very good. I'd sing it for you. But here's another one. Free love, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Burn my bra, baby. Right. These boots are made for, and then latchkey kids. Well, okay. Do you know that term? Yeah, I know that term. Because they kind of are removing that from any vernacular of the 60s. What did that mean? Latchkey's kids were the women that went to the boardrooms. All the kids were still walking home from school. All the kids were still right, those riding the, the bus. Yeah. Like it wasn't dangerous to be home alone. Sure. But they came home to an empty house. And they were latchkey kids. And they were latchkey kids. And that kids. was at that time a good thing. It was considered helping your children become independent okay. or get in trouble. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just saying, nobody's watching so, the kids. So what did they achieve? Women, were women leaving the home? Oh, in, in droves. In droves. In droves. Okay. They established yeah. now the National Organization of Women. Yeah. They raised consciousness about female genital mutilation, which was happening in Africa and China, Right. So they did raise consciousness yeah, about that. about good problems. Yeah, and my understanding is that they began to work, but it's really difficult. When you're, look, when you're researching the internet, you know, oh, anything, negative, anything yeah. negative about feminism has yeah. been scrubbed. Oh, yeah, but totally. They, but for the most part, they did, it sounds like they began to work with African women. Af African women in a lot of ways, rejected feminism because they're a culture of family. Yeah, they could see, they could see the lie, but they right. really needed the help. But they, <laughs> but they had this one agreement was that the female genital mutilation of little girls in which they would literally cut out the clitoris of little girls that would no longer, baby girls, little ones, that they would no longer have any sexual function because that was dangerous. That was the way of Eve. That was becoming a seductress and all of these things. <clears throat> there were women in Africa and China that did band together with um, with the American women feminists. Later on, it sounds like they went on to, in a lot of ways, reject feminism because Africa is a culture of family and yeah. the feminists did not embrace the family. But it didn't really look like it 
quite yet. No. And in the please, second wave. And please, what you have to understand is that, again, there are problems that exist. In our world today, we could highlight problems all over the place. But there are institutions that already exist and existed for laws for that to get um, po- political avenues to take care of those problems in other countries. They're doing that now with the gays over in um, Iran and those places. That's a problem. Trying to help them. The feminists aren't helping them with that. No. But the feminists had a kind of way of hooking onto wagons. And because they were so good at consciousness raising, it, raising, it was a good thing because they could get the word out really fast. Right. The point being, when like even now we'll hear women say, "Well, we want equal equal pay. We want all of these equal rights in the workplace," as if we do not have that. It is absurd. There are laws that were in place in 1963, the Equal Pay Act went into effect in 1963. They, weren't, they didn't even have their, their first, what, their first march. They, so why is they, they, it that- They were still screaming about it in the 70s. But they're screaming about it now. They're yeah. saying that now the average woman makes 70 cents, 77 cents- Per dollar of the average man yeah, in America, and that it's still a problem. Is that true? No, it's not. And I don't have my paperwork with me right here that lists it out. There are, when they use that criteria, that criteria, and it's actually 77 cents, but so they get a little bit more, <laughs> but it, it's based on hours worked where women are working less hours. Less hours. They're working in, um, they're working. I have to have my in, paper. In, okay. They're working in careers that pay less because women are choosing careers that are flexible because they want to have children. And the feminists can't have it be that women are doing that because they want to have kids. Because like the kids are the problem, and you do not want to be home with your kids. Like that is a big. No, no, in the okay. feminist movement. Okay, well, we're going to pick that up later when we well, talk let about- Well, let me just, uh, for those of you that are watching that want to look this up, Jordan Peterson does a really good talk on um, uh, e- e- equality and pay. And he explains it much better than I can and with the correct numbers. But that is not exactly true. And I'll, I'll come up against because, that every time. Right, because women are working in different careers yes. for less hours yes. with more flexibility so yes. that they can be there for their children. So yes. it's so the law was in place in okay, the so 60s. The, they have the law in place in 1963, and they were okay. still talking about in the 70s. Now they also got the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and that says you cannot discriminate against anyone on the basis of race, sex, or religion. Okay, President so, Kennedy signed that. So in '64, that is already established. Yes. Okay. So then, what did they have to? Did they lose steam? Did they? No, no. They picked up steam because okay. they kept saying that they they are the ones that have to make it happen. They kept trying to bring it up when 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 they did. So those were if you were not getting paid right, you had a law. The femi- we don't even know that feminism would have accomplished anything if it hadn't, because the civil rights movement 
was going to do what it was. So it's kind of up in the air. Some people are like, it would have happened anyways. They would have gotten their equal pay. So they got that in the civil rights movement. Yeah. Okay. So that and was the equal pay. that was already established, yeah, but it totally stayed scary. alive. How was it? Kate Millett? Was that? Was she because she comes on the scene? Yeah. How did it stay alive? If they already had equal rights. Yeah. They already had the ability to work outside of the home. They and everybody had, was loving it because like the, the movies vote. and everybody loved it. Right. They had the vote. They had the vacuum cleaners. They got the they got the whole gig, but they're still going to keep rising up. What about what did Kate Millett, Millett do? How okay. did she come into play? All right, Kate Millett was one of the main um, the main girls of now and the um, feminist movement. She is considered to be extremely important in it. She's not talked about much, but she was very valuable. There are quotes about her being as um, as ac- uh, as influential in tearing down Western civilization and the dismantling of the family as Karl Marx and a couple other people. So she's very important. And l- learning about her would be to your benefit um, if you can find a place that isn't going to be like Google that kind of cleans it, bleaches it clean. But here is, we talked about the conscious raising. Let me just read what they would do. Mallory Millett is Kate's sister, and she um, was a younger sister following behind just like me. And she would kind of started watching. She thought something was really weird about what her sister was doing. But she tells a story of 12 women that Kate brought together in New York City in 1960, early 1970. These women who were the ones that lay the groundwork for the second wave feminism, which gave way to a world of woke. The, and the next thing is Mallory's words. It was 1969, and she took me to a meeting at her friend Lilia Karp's place in Greenwich Village. At a consciousness raising, an idea that was imported from Mao's China, 12 women gathered at a very large table, and they opened with a type of litany, kind of like the Catholic Church, but this time it was Marxism, the church of the left. And the litany went like this. Why are we here today? The chairwoman asked. To make a revolution, they answered. What kind of revolution? The cultural revolution, they chanted. And how do we make the cultural revolution, she demanded. By destroying the American family, they answered. How do we destroy the American family, she came back quickly. By destroying the American patriarch, they cried exuberantly. And how do we destroy the American patriarchy, she probed. By taking away his power. And how do we do that? By destroying monogamy, they shouted. How can we destroy monogamy? By promoting promiscuity, eroticism, prostitution, abortion, and homosexuality, they resounded. They proceeded with a long discussion on how to advance these goals by establishing the National Organization of Women, and it was clearly desired that nothing less than utter deconstruction of the Western society, the upshot, shot, was that the only way to do this is to invade every American institution. Everyone must be penetrated. The revolution, the media, the education system, the universities, the high school, K through 12 school boards, the judiciary, the legislator, and the executive branches, and even the library system. This was in 1969. 
I don't think a lot of the women who came to these marches and called themselves had no feminists had any idea. I didn't. I did not. That the goal was to deconstruct the American family, mm-hmm. which is what we're what we're seeing. Yeah, what and we're seeing now. So, so that's what that. So that's what happened. Kate Millett. Oh, so Kate so they Millett, went in. She went in and was gonna. She's gonna infiltrate. She's gonna infiltrate. And, where and they are gonna all infiltrate, which and, they have. Okay, and where does she infiltrate? Well, she got money from the government to take women's studies into the colleges. Because that wasn't a thing before. No. Right. Before okay. 1969, there were no women's studies. Like, I don't know why you would need, like guys would have taken it. <laughs> right? It's right. like a painting female There bodies. was no women's studies. No. Women were just doing what women do. They were- They were just who they were. Marriage and family. Correct. Right. And so- So at this point- At this point- she goes out and she goes to all of the um, colleges. It takes her a while. And she implements the women's studies. And the women's studies are just nothing but a great big feminist movement meeting and consciousness raising and um, intellectual snobbery, all of those things, and changing women into revolutionary against America, against the patriarchy, against capitalism. And right now, those women are in our governments. The women who went through the women's studies programs. Oh, yeah. You could get a, you could get a okay. master's degree in women's studies. You still can. So, 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 the, so they got money from the government. <laughs> yeah. They went into every college in America. Yeah. They started a women's studies department, which didn't yeah. exist before. No. And my boots are made for walking. I was going to march gonna right s- into that class. I'm going to stomp all over you. Okay. So they, they go in their women major. I mean, I could have easily been a women's studies major because I, I actually love women and, and love to support them and encourage yeah. them and mentor them and yeah but you'd have them. to wear no makeup no bra like oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay now you're you're profiling no profiling on the I am a woman podcast uh, but truly I was there <laughs> then maybe so, you're right but we had halter tops so that kind of kept things you had halter a tops okay so they bring in women's studies and there is this undercurrent of the rejection of the family Tell me about the third wave. How did the third wave start? Why was there this lull, first of all? Well, there was a lull because all the girls that were in college and in high school, we were all growing up. And we didn't have any power yet. And we weren't into, um, like they said, all the areas, every institution. And that includes the arts. That included, you know, anything. Like PTAs. Sure. Like just get a bunch of women in a room at a PTA meeting and, you know, try to get stuff done. So, I mean, they- And they're going to get stuff done because PTA yeah. moms get stuff done. And, and there's nothing stuff wrong done. with that. Obviously, we have, we have gotten stuff done. But, and not only that, I mean, women are important voices in the community and they have gifts and talents. Always and they have, have been. They have leadership abilities. What, so, the way it has been for centuries is that men- are taking care of the money-making thing, and women are in charge of the culture and society the and the goodness of, of civilization. The community, like bringing, right? Yes, bringing yeah. in. And that those are the women that went for to help the women in Africa. Yeah, I would have been right there with them. You would have been, because somehow in all of these millions of women, 
there's going to be a group of women that say, we're going to do something and we're they get really, it done. Yeah, we're really going to save these little but girls. But they're attaching themselves to something that they did not know right. was the destruction of the very thing that they were trying to save. That's amazing. Okay, so how did we get into the third wave? Mm. What happened to instigate it? And what were what were the mantras of the third wave of feminism? Well, I like, this is where some people are saying, saying there's four waves, there's three waves. The feminist movement doesn't want to talk about this this lull that happened. We call it we call it the slow flow. It was the slow flow into the third wave. Okay, it's where feminists kind of became kind of quiet, and it was because these girls had finally graduated from college. And let me read you, Bessie Coop is a <clears throat> um, a political analyst and. And she had a really good thing that I think wraps up what she said. She said, basically, we're tired of um, feminism and how angry they are. And that a lot of women believe that, you know, this is just like my grandma's old hippie beads. And, you know, Gloria Steinem, you know, this and that. And it's just, yeah. So here's what she kind of had to say. I, I thought this was very interesting. Um, This kind of rhetoric, the anti-man, anti-state, anti-family, that lacks the resound it once probably had. Now, it just sounds dated and bittered, and especially to women in my generation. We're women who are uncomfortable with being positioned as victims of any kind, because we certainly are not, let alone victims of our gender. That propping Women up by pushing men down is an insult to our fathers, our uncles, and our brothers, and our mentors, and all the men who have helped us along the way. So good. And this is what we ended up seeing. So women were like, okay, no. These uh, are the women in their 20s. And so those women, um, you know, are now. But it was interesting that. There, and there are moves in the in the third wave I can't wait to talk about. But these women started saying, hey, we got everything we want. Okay. We actually know about the Equal Pay Act of 1963. And we, by the way, we used it. Like if you're not getting paid equal than a man, that's on you. There's laws to protect you with that. There are attorneys that will help you with it. It actually gets paid. It's not like women don't get paid anymore or nobody's listening to them. We are being listened to. We have made moves in corporate America and all of that. And this glass ceiling that they talked about, which a lot of these women in this slow the slow uh, move were just like, um, I don't need a glass ceiling. I'm taking the elevator and I'm just going to my office. And I, have, I do not right. need to break anything. I have an office. I'm and good. I am qualified yeah. and I'm as good as the guys. And no, I'm not wearing a suit because I happen to like being a woman and I have a dress and heels. Okay. So, so they, they so were kind of losing steam. They were losing steam. They had, they had to ruffle something up and man, did they get it. Okay. So what happened? So what got them all riled up again? Oh, you know what happened? The third wave. Yeah. The third wave. Oh man. They got really mad because- Donald Trump <laughs> was going to be elected president. Now, the reason that they were, it, it was the Women's March of 2017. Okay. So it was it, through that election cycle, they started kind of, you know, 
lathering up a little bit. Okay, wait. Well, wait a minute. I want I want to I want to <clears throat> back up just a little bit. Okay. We haven't talked about the pill. Oh. Oh, I'd like to talk about that. I want to talk about the pill and the sexual revolution. Okay, I didn't okay. realize. Okay, we're getting all the way to Donald Trump. So that's yeah. that's a whole and we know how they get riled up. I know all about how Yeah, they yeah, get we're going to have fun talking about okay, that. Okay. But what about the sexual revolution? What was all of that? Because all of a sudden, what I see in culture and history, you bring in these women's studies department, you you legalize abortion, you have this, I'm going to burn my bra message. Then you get this whole generation of girls that is on truckloads of antidepressants. They've got eating disorders up the wazoo. They are having sex just like the feminist told them to have sex, mm-hmm. like a man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Women can't have sex like a man. Okay. We we can only, <laughs> a man can go and basically inseminate a hundred women in a hundred days. A woman can only carry one child a year. We can't have sex like a man. So the message of the sexual revolution it seems to me that it produced a generation of girls that were in a ton of pain. Our ministry has mostly helped girls that had sexual abuse, you know, whatever, exposure to pornography. So where did porn, I mean, pornography came in, like that, that's the part that we miss. The pill you can do, you can go and put your body out there as much as you possibly want. And then we get this generation of girls that's sick, Mona. Yeah. And it started back, thank you, Kate Millett, and all of Betty Friedan, and Simone Duvois, the the second sex. Um, Betty Friedan wrote um, the sex... Uh, the sexual uh, sex of politics, and and so these women's studies departments are get into the universities because it because it's that what we want it? to be able to have what with the pill and with the abortions, women could have sex like men. They could have all the sex but they, they wanted. But they end up so broken. Well, but they didn't think they were going to be broken. And, you know, there were so many cute guys and there was really good music. And, you know, and I love my drugs. beads and I have long hair. And like, did you see those headbands they wear? They're really right. cute. And I've taken off my bra and we have the pill. And, and the so guys are like, just- oh yeah, you're like a man. Not. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so and so women got wounded because personally, sure when did. I look at what happened in 2017 with Donald Trump, I look at a generation of women had that had been wounded. Yes, and the wounding was taking place when the protection of women became gone, went away. When women said, "I don't need a man," I don't, I don't, um, I don't need a man. I don't need a man. So then you don't no. have monogamy. You don't have- You don't have anyone that will love you and protect you and feed right. you the way a woman wants to be fed. So a woman's greatest need is security. What right. does that do for her need for security? She has to do it all herself. Well, but they've told her she can. And then they find out that, you know, maybe I'm kind of lonely. Maybe I, you know, define the, de- the define the relationship. And the men are like, I, you know- I don't want to make a commitment because this is fun. Every, I can, like, yeah, I'm in right. college and I, girls don't wear bras and they'll have sex with everybody. Woohoo. How did I end up here? 
Right. So basically the pill. The pill and the abortion took away the problem, which they talked about the problem with no name at the beginning, but the problem that they have had all along through all the waves of feminism are the kids, the children, getting pregnant, having children, who's going to take care of the children. And the, the problem is children. And so really wise, if you make it where the women don't have to get pregnant, they don't have to be mothers, they don't have to get married, they don't, they don't hold themselves in revere and see themselves as precious. Like, I don't have sex with just anybody. Like, I'm special. Women thought they were special. They didn't degrade themselves to the place where they felt like they were being used by everybody. And that was very, the um, antidepressants, women's depression went up. Divorce, oh my goodness. divorce skyrocketed, skyrocketed because men are like, whoa, I want a piece of that. See ya. Absolutely. So divorce is skyrocketing. Depression is on the rise. Latchkey kids, Ab- nobody's watching them. Abortion, nobody's watching the latchkey kids. And, and the 16-year-old girl who wants to have boots that walk all over everybody is coming over to visit your son oh, while no. you're at work. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. She can't come over. Well, maybe. <laughs> She cannot come to my house. Just say it. That's because you're there. <laughs> I'm there. That's I, right. I'm so there. Okay. Well, yeah, nobody's watching the kids. Okay. So the Except impact, the government, they're stepping in. So they're let's helpful. right now, as before, we're going we're gonna to pick up next week. Yeah. I want to pick up next week on what happened with Donald Trump in 2017, the Women's March of 2017. Oh, good. And, and I want to tell my story, too. And I want you to tell your story. Yeah, I gotta, you, y'all got to come back to our third one. You need to I'm going to tell my story. You, okay, we're going to start It's all about my halter top, just saying. Okay, we're going <laughs> to start with that. But, but, but before we do, I want to... I want to continue to help our listeners understand how consciousness raising works. Yeah. Because there's a lot of consciousness raising going on mm-hmm. right now in our culture in which people you said basically out of empathy that women would get together and out of empathy for a certain cause they would then what? Lose their values? I mean Well no, they um because a woman is made to nurture, to connect, to be a relator, to be a life giver, and to be a helpmate, these things that God created inside of a woman that makes her who she is, that is, you know, these are what we do in our roles, but it was used against us because in consciousness raising, if you're sitting there and you're so sad, and things are broken in your in your life, I'm going to have empathy for you. Empathy means I'm putting you in my shoes. Hmm. Compassion is different. Compassion is I, I feel pity. I feel sorry for you. I see your concern. I have compassion for you. But empathy means I feel your pain. Hmm. I, I'm feeling what you're what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. And women are very good at empathy and we need to be because we are the nurturers and the growers of kids, of children to grow them up, to understand them and say, well, you know, this is that. And I noticed this and our discernment is different. And this is why my husband is like, man, if you say it's not good, I'm, I'm with you. What do we do? So that's how conscience raising worked. I might not have that problem, but I'm certainly on board with you to help you, to bring life to you, to be a helper to you, to be a connector 
with you, to be a relater with you, to help you become what you can be. And Mm. that's what women do. So in essence, they took the very thing that we were gifted at and they used it for their own things, their own agenda. The own agenda. It's really an agenda. It's an agenda to destroy the family, monogamy, and every piece of our culture. I I think it's so sad that monogamy um, became looked down Mm. upon. But it's just been that way. Like people think, oh, it's no big deal. I'm living with my boyfriend. Well, yeah, people think that now. But back when this whole thing started, they didn't. Well, 40 years ago, it was not okay for you to be doing that. Nice girls didn't do that. Girls girls that that. thought thought Mm -hmm. themselves valuable and worthy of a a wedding and a ring and a Mm. commitment didn't do those kind of things. And those girls still exist. Please understand. Yeah. And I'm going to be talking to you about the move the the other direction in the next one. I'm excited. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Well, I am a woman and my name means life. That is the uh, mantra of the I am a woman podcast. And in this series, we are going to go back. We're going to look at the women's rights movement and what the, what the, seeds of it were so that we can go forward with a newer understanding of how we are supposed to use our voices in this hour. So thank you so much, Mona. It's been great being with you. We'll see you guys next time.